Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Manor Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host, Ali. Uh, joining me this evening, I have regular co-host, Dave Black. How are we, sir? Hello, hello. I'm fantastic. Thank you, Ali. Yeah, no wonder. No wonder. <laughs> we'll come on to later on. Um, and returning, as a, it might be the first time in the review show, I'm not quite sure, on the, the weekend one, but Mr Guy Drinkle, how are we, sir? I'm good, Ali. It's been a while. I think I used to do the odd midweek show. I don't think I've done a weekend one, no. Yeah, I think this is the first one on the, the Sunday show. Yeah, you were the, it was yourself and Simon that did the, mm. the midweek ones for me when it was um, funny season. <laughs> um, so, yeah, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. I, I love spending my Sundays podcasting. It's not like I do that during the week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's your full-time gig. This is how you earn a living. So at least this week you get to come and have a laugh where it's not, not so serious over here. Um sure Dave can attest to that. Oh, I mean, if you're looking for a professional podcast, then I'd probably sign off now. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, well, let's get straight into the football chaps. And the early kickoff was Brendan Rodgers, Leicester City 1, and new Leeds manager, I can't remember his name, Nil. Um, I kind of gave Leeds a bit of a hard time just before we came on air, and you both guys said that Leeds had played pretty well. So, Guy, as the as the guest, I'll come to you first and talk us through it. Yeah, I, I was wondering how well Jesse Marsh is his name, by the way, Ali. Um, <laughs> if, if, if he could actually make an impact, because I think he was only there for about a week, maybe just over a week or so. Um and, and it really did look like he made a big impact because obviously we know Bielsa is mad and there's nothing really like it in football apart from, was it Sam Pauli at Marseille? who's was like a student of his. But yeah, there's no other manager like Bielsa. And come in and it'll sound stupid because they're lost, but make a really positive performance slash start. It, I think it was really good. And I think Leeds fans may come out of that loss almost positively obviously they need points and I know people are calling him Ted Lasso but I think the manager said performance over points or something like that and I can kind of see his point but in the situation they have they do need points but if I think we were talking before we start recording if Bamford if Bamford was fit enough to play more than the dreaded 10 minutes that was uh, noted I think they would have won that game because Schmeichel played well but I don't think he made any saves that you would expect uh, Premier League goalkeeper not to me um, but yeah it was promising for Leeds but Leicester last couple games maybe showing they're getting a few people back from injury they still look terrible defensively which is just what you get with Brendan Rodgers um, but yeah Leicester's 
just the odd really good player kind of coming through for them. But I thought it was quite promising for Leeds, really. Yeah, I mean, Dave, you tended to agree on that. But, I mean, as, as good as the performance is, as Guy alluded to, points are really crucial for, for Leeds at the moment. Oh yeah, completely. I, I can again. I can see where he's coming from, and that, you know they had something to build on with this. I know they, they lost, but they had all the best chances. And I think you know Vardy played an hour, and he's obviously only just come back from injury. Once he went off, Leicester looked almost really short of ideas. Um, and Leeds had it was a really poor finishing, as you say, rather than good goalkeeping, and they, they kept it out. Um, I think Rafinha probably had the best chance where he kind of had a I don't know what you call it, like a little poke in the box about six yards out, but straight at the keeper. Um, so, yeah, on another day, Leeds would probably probably have won this game, but as it seems to go for teams down the bottom end of the table, if you don't take your chances, you inevitably get punished. And the one kind of good bit of play Leicester did was a nice little 1-2 and, and Harvey Barnes finished it. Um, the nicest thing I can say, really, is that Leeds looked like a like a normal team. They didn't, you know, they didn't play the Bielsa way at all. And if that's what they've done after, after a week's worth of work, They'll probably be all right in the longer run, I think. But um, it's obviously going to be a bit of a bun fight down there over the next uh, ten games or so. Yeah, a couple, of, a couple of big games for Leeds coming up. Obviously, Villa next in the league um, on the tenth. I'm trying to work out how many days away. We'll just say the tenth, and then Norwich and then Wolves. Um, obviously, the Norwich one really is a, a must win. They've got to beat the teams teams around them, I'd say. And then uh, Villa, Villa's winnable. And I guess Wolves, because of where they are in the league, I suppose it would be any points a bonus, maybe? I mean, as you say, the Norwich one's probably the standout fixture there. You, you probably, you know, Norwich at home is your, your bank of three points, which is what every team in the league, um, you'd think. I know it's obviously not how it's going to work out, but certainly look at the league table. That's who you want to be playing if you're in trouble. Um, Villa, obviously they played a few weeks ago and drew 3-3, I want to say. It was fairly open. Um, yeah. So it might be interesting to see how different it is under 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 a new manager. So it's it's hard to say after one game, but like I say, they've kind of gone back to being a conventional team, and we'll just see if they've got enough to stay up. If they do stay up, there's no reason why they won't do quite well with them. Yeah, I mean, on is it Jesse March? I think you said his name was the guy. Do any of you know much about him? Um, I had no idea he was American until I heard an interview on Talksport. <laughs> um, I wondered who was talking, um, and I, I just clicked that that must be who it was. So, yeah, do you guys know much about him in general? I've not watched a lot of him apart from his Salzburg team played Liverpool. Um, which I'm a fan of if people didn't know. Um, so I, I watched that them two games in the group stage a few years ago, but he, he did come through the Red Bull system, so. I'm not sure if it's like like for like, but you're probably thinking your Ralph Hasenhutl's. Well, maybe we'll come on to Ralph Ranick, which might not be glowing um, comparison at the minute. But uh, yeah, you're probably you're looking at the uh, the Red Bull or RB Salzburg type managers with your your four two 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 type formation. So if he does as well as Hasenhutl, I think it'll be a really good appointment. Really. Yeah, my my knowledge of him is. is uh... Those two Salzburg games against against Liverpool, but also um, Derek Ray, the commentator who does a lot of Bundesliga. I think he's based out in Germany. Actually, does a lot of Bundesliga, uh, and he wrote um, a fairly decent article about him. And basically, the gist is that he was very good for Salzburg, and then kind of the wrong manager for the wrong the wrong side at, Le- at Leipzig. Um, they were more possession based, and, and 
Marsh likes to like to press a lot and the transition was always going to take a bit of time and he just didn't get it. Um, hence he was binned from there. So I guess this is a bit of a maybe a bit of a watershed moment from where he'll either go on to be a good manager or if he fails here. I think for Americans it's quite a, quite a bit of a stigma to try and shake off, isn't it? If he had a couple of bad jobs, so we'll, we'll see how he goes. Yeah, he keeps leads up. He's certainly it's 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 a good a good result anyway. Um, because I think a couple of weeks ago the way leads were looking, you know, they were they're almost pretty much a a goner fault. They were free flowing right into their relegation zone. So um, as you guys said, they've all played well here. If they can start picking up points. It'll be interesting. Um, I hear the guy that Leicester obviously started picking up a few results here and there, um, but they're still not quite looking, you know, back to themselves. And as you said, Dave, you take Vardy out of this team again. Can't believe we're still talking in 2022 that Vardy's, you know, such a crucial point. But um, there's, there's just there seems something missing from Leicester. Yeah, it's called a defence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the Rogers effect, isn't it? That's... Well, yeah, it, it's third year. I know you're a Celtic fan, so it, it didn't um, it didn't go as badly. But he obviously, did he leave in his third year? Or was his fourth year? Yeah, no, he left in his fourth season. Third year, yeah. So Liverpool, uh, it was second year was the good one. The third year was dreadful, um, and then got sacked in halfway through the fourth. I think it was. Um, I'm not sure how it went at Swansea, but yeah, it seemed he almost seems like he because he was mentor or was under the staff of Mourinho. Maybe he has the Mourinho effect of three <laughs> years as his max. That's all I'm thinking. But Leicester, yeah, it is weird that they're dependent on Vardy still. Like Vardy's obviously really good and he's a Premier League legend, but they've got Inianacho, they've got Pats and Daka. I just don't see how that's the main issue. Like. Like Sionchu's had the biggest drop off in recent Premier League history. <laughs> it's actually startling how bad he's became. Um, indeed, he doesn't really say, seem the same impactful player. Maybe it is just lack of defensive coaching or something. But I mean, two wins back to back. They can't go for the European places anymore, you'd think, unless they went on a magic run. But probably want to finish just below uh, Wolves or Southampton, probably fighting with them for what they want to do, but it's good. It's a disappointing season for South, uh, for uh, Leicester, however it finishes, really. I think to add to that, I think uh, missing Johnny Evans, I think he seems to glue that defence yeah, together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And of course, and of course for Farner, who got paggered in uh, pre-season, yeah. um, he looked quite promising at the end of last season to miss both of those. I think actually Fafana's back in training, which is great news, but um, I think to miss both of those, I think it speaks volumes that they spent something like 18 million on Vestergaard from Southampton and he, he can't get a game above what they already had. So I think uh, it was a bit of a, maybe a panic purchase to try and plug a gap or two, but either way it hasn't worked. And as you say, Soyuncu looked an absolute disaster without someone to guide him through the games. Um, so if they can get him anywhere near back to where he was, that'll obviously help, but if they win the, one, even one of the games in hand, they'll go ninth. Uh, I don't think, it's a bit like Arsenal uh, last season, I don't think it does Leicester any favours to finish you know, seventh again and go back in the Europa League and go through this whole rigmarole again. Uh, I think they're better off finishing outside the European places and going again with a fresh squad and maybe change a few here and there and then you know, try and get back mm. on that top four next season. Because if you end up in the Europa League over and over again, um, I'd, I don't think it really helps you in the long run. You look at Arsenal now, who haven't had that sort of 
um, burden, shall we say, this season. And, uh, you know, they're, they're looking good to finish fourth. No, it's, it's Arsenal, so you never know if that's the case or not. But uh, but at the minute, you know, they're sitting pretty in fourth with a couple of games in hand. And they won't be worried about having those games in hand because they won't be playing Thursday night, Sunday morning, whatever it is we have to do in the Europa League. So um, it just shows it can work out if you just miss out on that European football for a season, if you can afford to. Yeah, if, if, if their ambitions are to get back into the top four in the Champions League, as you say, the, be- the best bet is missing out on the Champions League completely. Uh, missing out on Europe, sorry, the Conference League. Um, I mean, they could go all out and win it this year, but I assume, when it, what does winning the Conference League get you? Anybody know? The Europa League, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could do it that way, win Europa then next year and try to get in the Champions League, but I think ideally you want... Brendan Rodgers isn't good. Isn't good in Europe at all. Yeah, um, it's just he's got a proven track record there. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I think I was going to say ninth might be the highest they could hope for, but as you say, Dave, the game in hand takes them to ninth right away. And you know, if they could put on a decent run, which we know Leicester are capable of putting a, a good run together, as much as um, I'll slag off Mr. Rogers, he, um, he he was in the top four for you know 70 weeks of 72. <laughs> <laughs> And still missed out with the top four, obviously. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think as say this one, Leicester are pretty much safe. But for this game, the Leeds are the one to keep an eye out for the next few weeks. As you guys say, see how Jesse March continues to to change the, the players, how much they buy in, and uh, see where they go from there. Um, next up, we have the game which um, our regular course, Dave will be absolutely gutted. He can't wax lyrical over. Um, I'll come to you first on this one. And Aston Villa 4, Southampton no. I didn't see this result coming. I didn't. It was just funny last week when Sai said this is bound to be the week where Southampton threw in the, the, the traditional 9-0. Um, I just, you know, if it had been 9-0, there couldn't have any complaints because um, they were either really poor or Aston Villa were really good. I know you'll probably say Southampton were really poor due to your hatred of a certain manager, but um, it just looked like that front three really clicked. I know we saw signs of it last week. He changed the system, played Coutinho behind Ings and Watkins, but the three of them seemed to combine with regularity here. Um, and it could, honestly, it could have been at least six. There was a lot of clear-cut chances that uh, that weren't taken. Um, Coutinho looked as good as I've seen him for a long time uh, at any of the clubs he's been at since Liverpool. Um, and to say Ings and Watkins, there's a lot of talk, you know, they can't really play together. Watkins has been playing on the left and Ings hasn't been in the team and whatever else they've had to do to try and try and find his team. This sort of four three one two they've stumbled on seems to seems to suit them really well. So um signs are really good for, for Villa, I think. Um we know they've got a lot of financial backing and we've we've already seen in January that the Gerard pull is a thing. Um I think they could do really well in the long run. Um, I think there'll be a lot of experimenting going on over the next couple of months, but I reckon, you know, with, with those factors I've just mentioned, there's no reason why they can't be pushing for that top seven next season. I, I 100% agree. I genuinely believe there may be two or three players, first-team players, in certain areas that they are away from possibly competing, you know, that top six being in and around the, the Spurs, Arsenal, Man United area. I mean, if you look at the league, there's a top three and then 47 is really available every season. There's no reason this Villa, if you go through the team, they've got, a, you know, compare, 
decent enough left and right back, you know, who are up there with most in the Premier League. Their goalkeeper's as good as anyone. Um, they have one good centre-half. Um, <laughs> not going to discuss the other one. Um, so I, I think if they can replace that other centre-half, get a defensive midfielder in, and, put, and probably buy another centre midfielder, I think they're right. I, I like Ollie Watkins. He's had a tough season this year. Um, I thought they had killed off Danny Ings, but turns out he does remember how to score again. And we spoke about it for the last few weeks. If, if Aston Villa get a 60 to 70% continue to what Liverpool had, you know, he's automatically their best player. Oh, absolutely no doubt. He's a, he's an incredibly talented footballer. He just hasn't hasn't worked out at at Barcelona for various reasons. Um, I didn't, I honestly didn't see an awful lot of him at Bayern Munich, but um, he was always well suited the Premier League for whatever reason. But I didn't know how good he'd be coming back. I haven't had a few years, you know, almost not playing uh, in a lot of cases. Um, but he seems to have hit the ground running again. Um, and I, say, I think if they want to get into the places you're talking about, they'll probably have to go and spend a fair whack on yeah. various positions. Um, but they've got the money to do it. Um, and I think that, you know, the talk is they'll sell Douglas Louise, who will probably fetch them 30 million in the current market. Um, you know, that, that'll help with the old FFP and all that kind of nonsense. So there's no reason why they, they, they couldn't go buy a few in the summer. And I say, I, I do think having a manager of Gerard's calibre, maybe not, as, I know you don't rate him as a manager, but he's definitely got a good stand in the game. Um, I think that'll help them attract a number of players. Um, and, and then who knows? I don't think they're that much worse than West Ham on paper. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, Guy, being, being a Liverpool fan as well, obviously, you've almost got like a vested interest in this Aston Villa team now. We obviously Gerard as a manager, Coutinho coming back. I mean, what's your thoughts on this performance and, and Villa as a whole? Well, firstly, Klopp signed the contract because I don't want to be caring about Aston Villa. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I watched uh, probably the last. For, I think I watched it from four nil on, and I was like, "How the hell is Southampton losing four nil? They're the better team." But then I watched match of the day later, and I was like, "Ah, oh, Coutinho won this game." <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's strange with Villa. I mean, they probably played Southampton at the perfect time because um, Salasu was injured or fatigued, and he's he's probably been their best maybe player, never, never mind centre-back, but he's, he's been excellent this season. I think they rotated Kyle Walker-Peters, who's very dependable um, and stuff like that. But they, they caught Southampton in, in, in rotation and Coutinho just had a field day. I think maybe that's where you see the um, uh, tactical stubbornness of people like Hassan Hootel and, and, and Ranić, etc. And kind of comes undone because playing two in midfield and well, basically, Villa are playing four in midfield. It kind of just leaves them for dead, really. But uh, on Villa, yeah, there's no, you, there's plenty of teams in the league. There's no reason teams can't do what West Ham are doing, what uh, Wolves did in their first year up in the Premier League. Obviously, not everyone can buy like Ruben Neves from Porto and stuff like that. And and West Ham uh, have bought really well, especially from uh, Prague for, for whatever reason. Um <laughs> But yeah, Villa Villa have been underperforming for a while. Like, obviously, going down in a championship was pretty much unacceptable for a team like Villa. But it's a warning to other teams. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Villa are only a few players away. But I mean, if you didn't see it, 
Callum Chambers pass in this game. Oh, unbelievable. Did anyone else double check it was Callum Chambers? <laughs> I was watching. I was watching Soccer Saturday, and Clinton Morrison was like, "And Callum Chambers has played the ball with that savage right foot." And I was like, "It's Clinton Morrison. It probably wasn't Callum Chambers." <laughs> it, it, it was. Sure it was just it was. filthy. It was just absolutely filthy that pass. But uh, yeah, Villa. I I pretty much agree with the positions you said. That I think if they even if they keep Louise, if they get. I think they were linked with Basuma in January for 40 odd mil. He'd probably be cheaper because I think he's in the last year of his deal. But if they get Basuma, Ramsey, McGinn, if he sticks around, I know he's been linked with some bigger team. But even if it is Louise, they'll have good options in midfield. But uh, yeah, and, and the centre back, and then just probably adding more goals behind um, behind Watkins, really. But yeah, there's not that Villa. Villa really should be aiming for. Europe is probably where they should be aiming for, but if you can get Champions League, reach for the stars. Yeah, I, I, the only reason I've even mentioned like the Champions League place is purely because that fourth place is wide open for anybody who just is consistent, really. You know, you don't even have to be good, just don't be terrible. <laughs> well, you got, you got to look at it like, you know, let's say the league finishes as it is now, um, and next season Arsenal have got to build a squad to play Champions League football and Premier League football. I mean, they need about ten players to do that, so let's you know let's assume they'll have a drop off next season with with juggling those um, commitments. Man United, I, I God only knows, right? We'll come on to them later on, but I mean yeah. that club that club is insane. Um, West Ham, uh, they've done really well, but I just feel like they are probably going to lose Declan Rice at some point. Like. I don't they're know. still playing. They're still playing Mark Noble in 2022 as well. So yeah, what a pass, by the way. Which I'm sure we'll talk about. <laughs> but Christ. Um, so yeah, I I just always expect West Ham will fall away at some point. I don't think they're here forever by any means. I think they they make the most of what they've got right now. But I'm not really sure. You know, they've got one centre forward on the books, full stop, and somehow it's it's lasted this long. So they're, they're probably not going to be around forever. Uh, and Tottenham, you know, if 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 Harry Kane leaves, which I think he probably won't now. Uh, I think that, that might have passed. But if he did, really interesting to see what would happen to them. There's bound to be a transition there as well. So yeah. you can make an argument that you know those four teams who are fighting for fourth, there's good reason why they might be worse off next season. It might just be a really good time to to, to sort of make a make a go for it. Um, nice maybe, maybe not fourth, but certainly get get in among it. Yeah, as, as they've, I, I, we've said that quite, you know, quite a few times. The Villa owners are very ambitious. You know, they'll have no hesitation on spending, you know, an extra 150 million if that's what it takes. And as you said, they've got a lot of assets that they could sell off as well. You know, they like some McGinn in that as well, even if they wanted to upgrade in in those positions. Um, McGinn has got this reputation, you know, around the Premier League as well that he could fetch a decent amount of money for them as well. You could. Um, again, I, I, I probably foolishly think that if you're a British midfielder and you've got the chance to play under Steven Gerrard, you probably will. Especially, you know, where's where's yeah. John McGinn going to go and play more regularly than where he is at Villa at a higher level? Everton in the Championship. <laughs> well, he's not. I mean, without being disrespectful to him, he's not going to go to any of the sort of the, you know Man City, Liverpool, or Chelsea. I wouldn't have thought. No. Um, I can't imagine he's going to want to go to Arsenal uh, or West Ham. And as I said earlier, Tottenham and Man United, I mean, 
two ridiculous clubs at the minute. Scott uh, McTominay, John McGinn. Sounds like Man United to me. Well, we, the typical Man United thing is to, to go and buy McGinn, who plays for Scotland, in the position McTominay plays in. Yeah, <laughs> and just, exactly. And, just, and just, just figure it out afterwards. And then buy, Decla- <laughs> then buy Declan Rice for £100 million, so <laughs> Well, it's possible. <laughs> things have happened. Um, I mean, I mean that's enough on Villa. Um, Simon will sure catch us up next week. Um, Southampton in this. I mean, you said they made a few changes there, Guy. Was it was this just a case of you know an off day for them? Obviously, Villa were good, and as you mentioned, the, the stubbornness of mm. of Hasselhutten and and managers like that as well, because Klopp's guilty of this as well. In fairness. Uh, it's, it's maybe more a modern manager actually you know they've got their way Wenger probably started this where you know it's his system doesn't matter who they're playing against or, or what's happening it's just one way um, is it, was this just a case of that's all this was for Southampton because their forum before this game was phenomenal yeah I think I think as I mentioned earlier Salah shoots a big miss because I think they have to tweak the whole defence there I think Bednarak moves over to the left if I remember correctly, then Stevens plays where Bednarak was playing. So basically, you've got to rejig the whole defence for one player coming out. And then Ward-Prowse, Romeo, I think if he added, I think it's Diallo, the the youngish midfield, if they played a midfield three, because as I said, Villa play a diamond now. They, they, that's four people they got to compete with, and Coutinho just had the run of the park, really. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's tactical stubbornness, and then Missing probably their be- their best player um, for me this season, um, but they did they did look dangerous at times. I think Villa, you kind of seen the best and worst. You, you still seen de- uh, defensive mistakes. Uh, Mar- uh, yeah, Martinez made a, a couple good saves, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was just an off day for Southampton. But that's the type of team Southampton are. They they don't really do like okay. They're either really good or terrible. They they never just okay. So yeah, it was just one of them days, I think. I think they went I think and balls out the bath to get through the FA Cup in the week against yeah. you know West Ham, which isn't isn't a, an easy game. Exactly. Um and as well that they've got us on Thursday night. And Hassan absolutely despises us because we got the game called off around Christmas when we were <laughs> when we had a few injuries. Um like everybody else did. We're not going down that rabbit hole right now, but um and I think if he had the choice, he's going to save his best team for us on Thursday because he's got beef. <laughs> so I think there might be an element of that. Yeah, I mean, they've got a good, not a good two games. Obviously, we, we spoke about it off here, the, the form Newcastle are in, but Newcastle and then Watford, the next couple of games, you know, it's, it, it is good games for a, a Southampton side to, to bounce back from. You know, they didn't want to be going into, after a result of that, going into like Chelsea and then Liverpool. And at least, you know, it's... I don't know, just like teams around them and teams at the bottom at least. To be fair, Southampton's done their job. They they wanted to avoid a relegation scrap and they pretty much have. So they might be even on the beach with Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we'll see. We'll see how the, the beef goes first day. Dave. Dave's hoping they are on the beach. Let's see how high Newcastle can get <laughs> before the end of the season. Um, moving on to... I'm good. Burnley nil, Chelsea four. This is like a double stab in the back for me here, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I know we talked Burnley up last week and said they were almost certainly going to stay up, and then they've lost twice in a week to 
your mate Brendan and now your other mate Chelsea. So um, they, they gave a good account of themselves in the first half. It seemed like they were unlucky not to be ahead. Uh, and then whatever happened at half time, which I assume was more, you know, Tuchel getting into his team and saying, come on, man, it's only Burnley, rather than Burnley just giving up. But either way, they got absolutely blitzed in the second half. Um, couldn't get near Reese James. Um, and Chelsea were, were well worth it in the end, but just the drop-off in Burnley from one half to the next was bizarre. But I guess, again, maybe they was gassed and played midweek. Um, but I, I don't know. They, uh, they obviously played less than everybody else, so maybe they should be fresher. But they have pretty much run out of games in hand now. Um, I know they've got one on a few teams around them, but... They've pulled themselves back into contention. They looked dead and buried a few weeks ago. And let's be honest, Chelsea at home is tough for any team, let alone one in the bottom three. Yeah, and I still the fact that they've got themselves in the mix is is key because, again, the, the team and the manager are almost used to this situation now. You know, so you would almost rather have a Deitch in this situation than than a Jesse Mars, than a, than a Frank Lampard because they know what it takes almost. Um, but... Yeah, we shall see. I mean, yeah, losing four 0 to Chelsea guy is is, is new team in general. Like the and they seem to have put on a complete, you know, annihilation in the second half. Kai Havertz is really growing into that almost the number nine role, really. Yeah, I think that's important for Chelsea because obviously Lukaku's not working for many reasons. I think obviously the player wants to be at Milan <laughs> or into Milan, I should say. But Tuchel doesn't seem to know how to use him properly. But Havertz. Helps Pulisic. Uh, who, who who played with him up front? Was it was it ZH this week? I can't remember who played up front with him. Um, but yeah, Havertz. I think more importantly, Reese James coming back. Obviously, yes. Chelsea season kind of went to crap when um, the the wing backs got injured. Obviously, Chilwell's was much more long term, but they basically had to play Reese James every week because Aspilqueta plays centre back, but. Uh, yeah, I think that's when Chelsea really fell off. But Reese James, he's almost as good as Trent, isn't he? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a shame for Burnley, but Burnley's uh, Premier League status weren't going to be dependent on getting points off Chelsea. That I think they let me look. I've got the fixtures in front of me. They play Brentford next weekend, for instance. Like yeah. then they play Man City, which is usually four 0 Man City. But then they've got Norwich. And I think they've still got Everton and, and a few others to play. So they've got to win the games with teams around them. But yeah, Burnley, if they play like they did in the first half, as Dave said, um, they'll probably be all right. And Veghorst has had a good start. Corner needs to get back to where he was pre-AFCON. But I, I, it's just Sean Dyche. It's a beautiful ginger face. <laughs> I still trust him for some reason <laughs> to, to outdo the other teams. But yeah, that Brentford game is going to be huge and Everton and stuff like that. But... Yeah, it's uh, it wasn't it wasn't the game for Sean Dyche to put all his um, relegation uh, hopes on. I think. I'm I'm so glad that you're here. Um, Dave picks on me with Sean Dyche. Um, but oh, oh Jesus, on Reese James there. I, I remember seeing a start. I've just searched up there. Um, five plus goals and five plus assists in the league again this season is quite impressive considering how many. You know, games he's actually played and how much he's missed. Um, according to Squawker, it's the only defender in Europe. Take it, uh, Trent hasn't scored five goals yet. Um, but it's yeah, it's impressive from a fullback. 
I think he's actually Chelsea's best finisher. Yeah, <laughs> that's not. To be fair, that's not hard. <laughs> no, it's well, it's, it's not hard. But when you've spent probably a combined two two hundred million on the rest of them, it's, uh, yeah, that's it's probably it's more remar- impressively bad from yeah. Chelsea. It's rem- remarkable that a wing back, the homegrown, has uh, <laughs> is outperforming them all. Um, when he's on, he's pretty pretty good, isn't he? Um, England yeah. England lucky to have him and and Trent as options. Um, Ah, Southgate doesn't count him, it's right. <laughs> no. Um, we, we, well, I think you got Walker and Trippier. Who, who needs Reese James and Alexander Arnold? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. One is due a call. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, he's not after today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's an impressive start. I think, the, as you say, like, the future is bright if, if you've got a sensible manager and you can almost flip-flop between Reese James and Trent and there has to be a way you could probably play them together as well, you know, figure out a, a way around it because they both like attacking um, and they're both, contrary to everybody's opinion, they're both actually quite good defenders, which we'll, um, we will come on to in the Liverpool game later, Guy. Uh, but mm. do come come the end of the season, let's just talk the lukaku Havertz situation here. Uh, Tuchel will clearly stay on. He's doing, you know, he's doing a, Really good job. Um, Havertz seems to be the way forward for the way he wants to play. Do Chelsea just cut their losses and try and get as much as they can for him in the summer? I don't think you can. I'm not sure where he goes unless... Well, no, Juve don't need someone. Inter, maybe. But if he goes to Inter, it smells of like a loan deal to me. Mm, City? Nah. No chance. Nah. Doesn't work hard enough for Pep. No, I think Pep would pull. I was going to say pull his hair out there. <laughs> um, pull the cactus hair out. Really, yeah, it's not much left there, is it? So. Joining the ball club as well. PS, PS, PSG maybe losing Mbappe, but Ronaldo's linked there, and well, that just smells like it should be real to me. But PSG's probably it for me, unless Newcastle. I did probably one for Dave to answer. Maybe <laughs> Newcastle go big or something like that, but. Yeah, to be to me, it feels like Kai Havertz and Lukaku should be playing together more more so than anything. But yeah, it, Tuchel seems to be favouring Havertz, and it's working. So yeah, why why not go with the uh, with the false nine stuff? So he worked for Liverpool for so many years, obviously. I think he will leave. I think it's, I think he's broken too many bridges. I know mm. he said his apologies and things like that, but I don't think. The fans particularly buy into it. If Conte is still at Spurs, they could swap Kane and uh, Lukaku. Well, it's not the strangest thing that could happen. Um, it's a fair show, actually. Yeah. It sure won't, that... I don't think it'd happen, but if if Conte really wants Lukaku for the third time, well, it will happen. The other thing to bear in mind is that it's going to be a World Cup year, and yeah, players don't want to be not playing, especially in that you know Belgium have got a lot of players who are. You know, very good. Um, you don't want to be the one who gets you know left on the bench because you haven't played club football for three months. I know it's a bit strange this year because it's going to be in November, but mm-hmm. um, that's a great time to get match fit, isn't it? <laughs> Between <laughs> August and October, whatever it's going to be when the cutoff is. So um, he'll want assurance he's going to play somewhere, um, and you might see quite a few sort of oh he's gone there because like transfers because like you know people can't risk not playing um, if they want to play for the national team. It makes sense. I mean, Lukaku's saving grace is 
Divock Origi's his backup, so he's he's fairly guaranteed a start there. Hey, Divock Origi's leaving on a free alley, and he's going to tear off whatever league he's playing. I feel you'll get a new contract still, and, <laughs> and then just come on and score in Champions League games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, next up, Dave. The, the second best team in the league form-wise. The transition in the winter period of the mighty Newcastle United. Um, a 2-1 win at, at, at home to Brighton this week, Dave. I know, and I think I've said before on this podcast, Brighton are like our bogey team. Like You know, there's just teams who go up against each other where they're just a total style clash. Um, I, think, I think this is the first time they even scored against Brighton at home in the Premier League. Um <laughs> We did it twice in the first 15 minutes, which was nice. Um, we, we didn't play particularly well here. and we, We've been good in recent weeks to sort of control the midfield and, you know, Joe Linton's knocked people about and Shelby kept the ball well and all this kind of stuff. We, Brighton didn't let us do that, to be fair to Brighton. They were, they were very good on the ball. Um, but as Brighton always are, they're also very poor in front of goal. Um, and uh, as a result, you know, we got our two goals and they got one back from a corner in the second half. But... They didn't make an awful lot of clear-cut chances. Dubravka made a couple of sort of saves you're expecting to make, one from Welbeck and one from Trossard, I want to say. Um, it was nice to win a game like that where we weren't particularly good but managed to you know, managed to do enough to win. Um, we've got four away games on the spin coming up. Granted, it's over a month period because there's international breaks and FA Cup breaks and all sorts, but still... Our next four league games all the way from home, so winning this one was was vital. Um, and gives us a bit of a cushion. Um, what have we got now? Seven points to Burnley, which is music to my ears, to say the least. So at this point, you know, the opposite of what Jesse Marsh said, we just want the points. Forget the performances. Let's just get the points on the board and worry about the rest later. Um, <laughs> there's not an awful lot of other good things you can say. No, I wouldn't say there's any sort of standout performers. Um, Ryan Fraser's continued his sort of renaissance over the last couple of weeks. Um, unrecognisable from the player he was under Bruce. Um, Big Dan Byrne and Fabian Scher just <laughs> all of a sudden a good centre-half partnership and they sort of stood up at the test in the last half hour of Brighton. I wouldn't say bombarding because they don't play that way anymore but you know they kept coming at us and we just kept kept blocking them out. It was, it was good discipline. Um and I'm just relieved to get to get over the line in the end, but uh, yeah, it's 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 refreshing. Um, and I think Thursday again, so that will be a time to freshen up the team a little bit because we looked very leggy here. Um, we haven't really changed the team a lot in recent weeks because you know you don't really change a winning team. Um, but I think this Thursday might be the time to, to make a few changes and maybe you know play Bruno from the start for the first time and just try and heed the warning signs because you know I say we. we we were a bit sloppy here compared to what have been, so maybe time to freshen the team up a little bit. But all in all, kind of complain. Um, another three points, uh, and unbeaten since December in the league. Yeah, I mean, guy, what do you reckon now? Newcastle all but safe. Yeah, pretty much. I think I think the most impressive thing because I I wasn't a big fan of the Eddie Howe appointment. Yeah, same. Yeah. This turnaround started before the signings, so that's probably the most important thing. I mean, probably speaks volumes of how good a job Eddie Howe was doing, but also speaks volumes of how bad a job Steve Bruce was doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the turnaround started before the signings, so I think they, it may have been tighter than it is at the moment, but I think they probably would have stayed up anyway. But 
adding in your your Dan Burns, your Trippiers and, and targets just gives you a solid base when you had Jamal Lewis was I liked him at Norwich, but it seemingly hasn't worked at uh, at Newcastle. But playing Lascelles, who seems to be a bit past it, he, he was good in the Rafa days, to my memory, but never really the same since Rafa left. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're safe as houses now. Yeah, do you know what? And as well with the signings in January, I mean, I we and Dave spoke obviously quite a lot as well. Because the signings were, you know, they were quite clever as well. You know, they were they were almost specific to positions rather than. Let's just sign players. Um, even the Chris Wood one, you know, it was a it was a position mm. needed. Yeah, did they overpay probably a little bit, but you know, it's oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, the goals so far, but he's a you know he's a ten plus goal a season striker for the last three four seasons in, in a team like Burnley. So well, it, yeah, and you, and and if you're playing Chris Wood, you're not buggering about playing San Maximin as a false nine and stuff that. I, I distinctively remember Steve Bruce playing. Yeah. <laughs> well, Joe Linton for four years. Well, yeah. <laughs> he, he's six foot four. He's a target man. Yeah. Get him up there. Um, I mean, on on Brighton, it is just, a, I, I assume, again, just the same old story then, Dave. Obviously, you said Newcastle weren't great here. Um, I assume you would have came under the cosh a lot, but, but almost at that stage where you probably didn't have to worry too much because, you know, Brighton just don't score goals. Well, that was it. I mean, the... the, the passed the ball around a lot as you expect um, but they didn't really uh, you know they pass up the field and they get the final third and you know it's it's kind of a bit wishy-washy there's no sort of conviction in their play um, I mean I was very surprised to see Basuma as a sub which was quite useful for us um, Mope was a sub he came on for the last half an hour they played well back up front they played Tarek Lamptey quite far forward which again is it's kind of been again sort of the antithesis of our problems, and then he's so quick. And you know, yeah. we've t- we've typically had like a Dummett or a Matt Ritchie at left back who <laughs> just hasn't worked out. Um, Matt Target is just so dependable, far far better than I ever thought he was. Same with Dan Byrne, who obviously waxed about previous weeks, but the pair of them in the left side of defence has been has been great. Um, the point you made about the, the signings, um, yeah, I mean obviously Bruno was the, the biggest name. He's, he's Barely played more than half an hour in a game if we've been easing him in. Trippi has played what, three or four games and he's obviously been injured, but he's been around the squad, which I think has made a big difference. His mentality is obviously more elite than uh, a lot of our players. But I think the biggest compliment in Kip Howe is that all our best performers were already there and he's just improved them. Um, Joe Linton's the biggest one, like you say, you know, yeah. didn't really have a position under Bruce. He played everywhere except where he plays now, which is midfield destroyer somehow. I don't know how that's happened, but. Um, you know, he looks good doing it. Um, so he's been the biggest plus. But then you've got, you know, Fraser, who I say, you know, was poor at best under Bruce, didn't seem to have a set position or anything like that. He was another one of bits, sort of bits and pieces footballer. Play him here, we'll play him there. Um, now he looks, you know, really good again. Um, and uh, Joe Willock, you know, returned to form. Um, very good when we signed him. Very poor for six months as a, as a permanent signing. And then you know, it looks like a good player again. So it's all very promising. And Chris Wood um, hasn't scored yet, which is a negative, obviously. But as you mentioned, the guy actually having a centre forward who, you know, he's going to play as a centre forward. He's going to hold the ball up. He's going to bring in Willock and St. Maximin and Fraser and Jacob Murphy, who he set away for the first goal yesterday. Um, having that just makes all the difference to the structure you play. And all right, I'd like him to have got a few goals out, you know, I think everyone wants their centre forward to have goals on the board. 
we haven't lost since he arrived, and I don't think it's coincidental. I just think having that focal point up there is obviously also pretty useful defending the pieces as well, things like that. Um, it makes a big difference. Now, I say it, it doesn't ever look like scoring either, to be quite honest with you. But whilst <laughs> the teams, while the teams getting results, um, and everyone else around him is playing well, it's going to come playing. I mean, unless you've got 60 England caps off the back of doing that, <laughs> it can be done. And he's your second choice striker as well. <laughs> Well, there is that. I mean, Wilson will hopefully return one day, <laughs> and when he does, you and you're signing Lukaku in the summer. <laughs> Lukaku and whoever else to come. So exactly. We'll, uh, we'll probably be all right. Yeah, Mbappe as well. You know, we, we're not quite sure if Madrid can afford them, Dave. So you <laughs> never know. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. On to the next game with Newcastle pretty much all but safe. This was the, the game we pretty much dubbed last week, Dave. The the loser pretty much goes down and Brentford comfortably won here, guy. Ivan Tony Hattrick, uh, a goal disallowed just after this as well. Um, obviously Norwich got the, the late consolation goal, but um, yeah, Norwich all but relegated guy and can we see a resurgent Brentford now with, with Tony back and obviously Ericsson started this game as well? Um, yeah, I agree with Norwich. I think it would have been tough even if they even like drew with Brentford here, but they they really needed to win. Like I haven't got I haven't got all the fixtures, but even their next fixtures Chelsea, so you know, um, not fun. But Brentford, not sure about resurgent, but they're like two wins away from safety probably, and. Well, they'll probably have enough, a couple easy games in there where they can get a couple draws, maybe get one win. But yeah, I, I think there's enough teams between Brentford and and um, and Burnley to to probably be okay. I think if Ericsson's probably the main difference there because Tony's been there all season and he seemingly just battered Liverpool, then couldn't be bothered. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like Tony. I like a few of their players, but. It's been a really tough second half of the season so far, but I think they'll stay up now. That 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 was a must win for for them. It, it really was. In fact, they have Burnley next, so if they yeah. beat Burnley again, it, it might be it's the classic relegation six pointer, but it might be uh, uh, dragging Brentford back into the relegation scrap. It might be Burnley starting their survival miracle. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a huge game. I think that's midweek. When is it? Thursday? No, Saturday. So yeah, it's. Um, that's a huge game for both of them sides. But I think Brentford will stay up now. I, I, I said the same during the week. I think Brentford lose that. They, they'll probably be my favourites to go to go down with, with Norwich plus uh, probably Watford. But we'll get to them. Yeah, Dave, well, I mean, as you say, we both said it last week and um, probably went the way if we were going to see a team win comfortably. It probably would have been Brentford more so because Norwich are just that bad. Yeah, just Brentford being on a really bad run where they hadn't, uh, was it eight games out to win maybe going into this? It was, you know, quite sizable anyway. Um, and as you said, had they lost here, um, they would have been looking over their shoulders quite nervously, I would have thought, but um, they've now got a bit of breathing space. I guess the negative on them is they've, they've played more games than just about everyone else around them. Yeah. Um, but they'll feel much better having the points uh, on the board after this one and you know, Tony put away his two penalties really well. Um, it goes out saying, obviously, if he's playing, there'll be a, a better team. He's obviously been injured for the last probably month or so. Um, and Ericsson, who was kind of the great unknown, we know how good he used to be, but 
everything he's been to is he's still going to be the same player and he you know he looked he looked I wouldn't say back was best by any means but he looked good here he certainly would improve Brentford so uh, I think they'll be fine-ish um, it's just getting to the point now where you kind of you know we, we all think Burnley are going to stay up because it's Burnley and it's what they do so who goes As, I mean you know we've kind of talked Leeds up today we're talking Brentford up we've talked Newcastle up well you know where I'm going <laughs> I mean, there's only one team in blue left, isn't there? <laughs> there certainly is. Um, we will come on to them. We'll come on to them a bit later on. Obviously, they're playing tonight. If you listen to this at home, um, so yeah, we'll we'll come on to them. Uh, yeah, Norwich. Just just a quick one. I take it. Just one word. Both going down. Yes, I. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, well, we'll move on for there, and we'll come on to the Wills to uh, Wills nil. Sorry, Crystal Palace two. This this result was strange. Now, not so much that like Palace aren't capable of beating Wills, which they clearly are because they did. But you know, like, we've been quite not high on Palace as such, but we've certainly not been down on them. You know, we've been quite impressed with them. The, the, like Vieira's kind of had a plan and it's kind of kind of working, but Wolves up until you know maybe three games ago, four games ago, had been so efficient. I think it's uh, underlying numbers catching up with them, maybe. But it's just maybe the shock of losing to Arsenal twice. Yeah, but uh, I, I was listening to another pod uh, like early last week and apparently Crystal Palace are Wolves' bogey team, so that might just be that as well. But okay. uh, but uh, Wolves have got a couple injuries and I did put Jimenez in my FPL, so he will never score again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're a cheat, so no doubt you'll score 95 goals. Well, probably, but I took I took Ollie Watkins out and he scored two games in a row and I took Mateta out, who scored this week. So I might just have to publicise who I take out because they will score. Well, I hope so. Then maybe I start doing well. Um, but yeah, like it's another goal for Zaha, albeit a penalty. He seems to be coming the last month or two. He seems to be coming a lot more lively, Dave. Yeah, he's been he's been very good aside from that. Even that penalty miss. I mean, oh. you know, early on in that game, he also stuck on the top corner, which is easy to forget when you skew a penalty wide by that far. But um, he's been in good form uh, for, for a good few months now, I think, and. Uh, him and you know having at least on the other side, it just makes all the difference to him as a player. Not you know like before under Hodgson, it was it was all just him, um, and it was, you know he'd end up getting double marked and wound up and whatever else. Um, whereas now you know they've got at least on the other side, they've got Gallagher in the middle, um, Jeff Schlupp somehow still causing people problems. Like <laughs> don't know, not sure how that's happened, but still um, they've just got a lot more of a, of a solid team, uh, a lot more progressive. Uh, I really like the two centre halves as well, Anderson and Gahey. I don't know how you pronounce it, which is really bad. But um, the, the pair of them look streets ahead of what they've had previously, which is like an aging Gary Cahill alongside an aging James Tompkins. <laughs> you know, it's uh, they're, they're much better for what they've got now. Um, consistency's kind of been their biggest issue. I mean, it's easy to, easy to forget as well they, they're one of the few teams who've won at Man City this season yeah. um, so we know they've got a good performance in them by all accounts they absolutely dominated the first half and Wolves kind of you know 
had a go in the second half and bought on Jimenez. I don't know why he didn't play. Is he is he injured or he didn't play the last game either? Mm, pass guy, any idea? Uh, it's because I put him in my FPL. Ah, <laughs> uh, makes sense. <laughs> um, but whatever it is, I think Wolves have hit the buffers. Um, they don't have a massive squad. Um, and I think, that, as you say, actually, there was two defeats to Arsenal. Not just because it was Arsenal, but in the context of their season, they got you know Arsenal were competing against them and to lose twice against them in a few weeks. Yeah, I think. I think it's not the stuff now with them. Um, so I'm not saying that they're done and dusted for the season, but they're still only two points off seventh or whatever else. But they, um, I think, I think they'll do well to get above where they are now. Put it that way. Yeah, guy on wheels. Um, in our obviously our other WhatsApp group, um, somebody put in a quote from Bruno Lars about um, mm. uh, Hoiver from obviously. On loan or signed permanent from Liverpool, can't remember which one. Yeah. Uh, what was? Can you remember what the the, the line was and any any context to it? I from I think it was maybe taken too specifically at Hoiver. Right. I think I think Hoiver is definitely a part of what he's saying, but I think he meant generally some of the younger lads in the squad aren't preparing, aren't training hard enough. So I'm not sure he was just singling out Hoiver, right. but. I'm getting maybe that extends onto people like Fabio Silva, who was signed for big money as well. But we we know we know Wolves' squad. It, it's pretty much picks itself apart from maybe Den Donka comes in for the odd game. But yeah, it it, it as a, as Dave said, it's a really small squad. But um, yeah, Poiver, Fabio Silva. Uh, I don't know many other youngsters. I think Kil- Kilman's older than a youngster now, but. Uh, yeah, it's a really tight squad, and that's probably just catching up to him. But he did, he did, he did um, question some people's pretty much work rate or just getting ready for games. But uh, it's a bit, it's a strange one. But Large has always been quite open. He like he explains stuff tactically and stuff like that in in uh, post in post match games and stuff like that. I remember him pretty much burying Man United after they beat them, Audrey <laughs> with them. Um, but yeah, maybe he's just deliberate with them but hopefully it hopefully it uh, sets a fire off under Poiver or any other players that he was mentioning because he was talented at Liverpool yeah he was really high, highly touted they were quite excited when he went to Wolves actually to get to see him get more mm. more game time it's obviously not quite worked out the way uh, the way we'd hoped but uh, I mean Wolves are but they've ruined top four obviously still in where a European chance. Uh, Crystal Palace currently tenth. Um, Both have done what they needed to do this season. Yeah, I guess Wolves are probably still a bit of ambition, maybe to get a European place. Will Crystal Palace almost just be about obviously staying where they are, not want to drop too much, but just kind of keep keep it ticking over really to to propel themselves for next year. Pretty much. I mean, they've got a really. I think I'm not sure if this is right. But I'm pretty sure they're the youngest squad in the league. Might be off, might be a couple I'm forgetting. But to to bring down bring down the average age of the squad by about uh, ten thousand years, um, <laughs> it, they've done really well. And obviously Vieira's, I think he's had the couple jobs. I think he had was it the MLS job and then Nice was it? I think it was. Um, yeah, he's done really well. And I think most people probably had Crystal Palace in the relegation mix, and they've never really I don't think they've been there at all this season you could probably say the same about Wolves obviously aging squad manager 
nobody's ever heard of outside of Portugal. And yeah, probably two of the surprise teams of the season. Yeah, Dave, anything, anything to add on, on either team? No, I think uh, I think I summed up pretty well there. Palace have been between tenth and twelfth like all season. I don't remember ever being ever lower than that. The Roy uh, Hodgson uh, effect still. Some some things a diehard cast in the uh, in a club, aren't they? But uh, the the they've been a good tenth to twelfth rather than what they were previously, which was like we'll lose four in a row and then we'll win. They just seem to have, like constantly been adding on points. You know what I mean? Like the the. They've never really had a spell where you've gone, oh, here we go again. You know, they may get sucked in. They've always just picked up a, a few points every every other week. So they'll be very happy with where they are. Um, they are smack bang in the middle of the table, really. Um, they've played more than those around them, so they'll probably end up being maybe 12th, 13th. But, yeah. um, you know, I think they'll be right with that. What's more impressive as well about that Crystal Palace is the fact that it's a new manager. And it's like it's like half a, half a brand new squad as well. You know, for the amount of players they lost, um, it was, it was at the end of last year, wasn't it? They lost like thirteen players. Yeah, yeah. I think they literally had like nine permanent players at the end of last season or something. Well, that's it. It took Vieira about a month to like sort of reform that entire club, whereas Steve Bruce was still going three years later about how it was impossible to, to change a club overnight. Ah uh, yeah, hats off to to Vieira. Obviously, he's not going to come near any any managerial awards, but he definitely needs a a special recognition um, for the job he's done. Um, especially, basically, relatively new in management, as you say, the MLS didn't really work out. I, I don't know how the Nice job worked out. I, I can't say I pay attention to much French football, but um, there was definitely plenty of doubters and. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of proven them all wrong. So it'll be interesting to see how the the second season goes now. Now that there'll be obviously expectations on him, um, and we'll see the the transfer window. The last game of the evening, the half past five kickoff. Um, Liverpool won West Ham nil. Now, guy, as you know, I listen to this on the radio. Listening to football on the radio for anybody who does it, absolutely sucks. <laughs> so, guy, I'll, I'll come to you on the the analysis analysis of the game. Uh, we weren't great, but we won. Uh, that's pretty much that. But like that, yeah, it's it's pretty much it's the sign of champions, is the old cliche. But unfortunately, Man City exists. Um, <laughs> but we weren't great. I think we had a, we had some good players. Trent played really well, which we'll probably talk about him not being able to defend and and stuff like that. Robbo played well. Uh, Kater played pretty well. Um. Canate kind of settled into the game. I think Antonio did him once really badly. Kind of got ball watching another time, but I, I think second half Canate did very well. Van Dyke's Van Dyke. He's just a beautiful human being. Endo played well, which is shocking. <laughs> shocking to some people sometimes. Fabinho was Fabinho, but our attack was really bad apart from Luis Diaz for me. Uh, Salah probably had his worst game for Liverpool. And Mane, for me, some people said he played really well, but he scored a goal, but I think he was quite loose with the ball and nothing was really sticking up top. And our decision-making was quite poor. And on another day, it would have cost us, but on another day, I think we may have... Well, it might have been like 3 all. it might have been 4-2, it could have been anything, but we just really disconnected up front. Probably a draw was the right result, but West Ham were wasteful in front of goal as well. Some may have been offside. I think that, uh, I can't remember if it was Fornells or Lanzini, but the lo- really long run, that looked like a really tight one. But 
we we know with Liverpool's high line it has to be criticised every minute in the uh, in the uh, commentary. Um, but yeah, West Ham played quite well. It was a bit of an ugly game to be honest. I think Lanzini's chance where he dummied Trent or Trent got it blocked or something like just put him off basically. I'll go with that. I'll go with the Trent spin there. But uh, that was probably West Ham's biggest chance. Um, but yeah, it, it was a really scruffy game and. You couldn't really argue if either team won or there was a draw, but yeah, well, Liverpool kind of got away with one there, but on another day, we could have done a lot better. But as I say, West Ham had the chances to equalise or win as well. Yeah, the radio made it sound like Alisson had quite a good game, made you know, crucial saves. Uh, Dave, did you did you watch the game? Watch most of it, yeah. Um, I agree with, uh, actually, what there's been noticed, I've never seen Salaby that poor. Um, mm. Kind of missed that chance in the first couple of minutes. Um, and didn't seem to have really recovered from it mentally. Uh, I don't know whether he was just trying too hard or something after that, but he kind of goes into these, these modes, isn't he, where if he hasn't got his goal after a certain amount of time, he's just not going to pass the ball. <laughs> um, and it was a bit one of those where, although, as you say, Diaz was, was brilliant, um, but it was one of those games where I thought you really missed Firmino. I know he's kind of like yesterday's mm-hmm. news, but there's sometimes games where he just... Does that little bit of magic to you know put Salah in on goal or he, you know he, he's good for morale, isn't he? Like you give Salah a tap in and Salah's ten times better and you know that kind of thing goes on. So without him, Mane wasn't very good at doing his his role, uh, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's something he may have to look at in the longer term. If Firmino's you know not going to be there forever, you you do need someone to do that because I don't think Jota does that role particularly well either. I think he suits the left. Um, so maybe someone who's going to, you know, knit the, the front three together with the way forward. But it's a nice problem to have because you're fundamentally still six points off the top of the game in hand. Um, and as you say, win the money playing poorly. Man City do it most weeks. So um, I think it's it's a, a nice a nice change. Yeah, yeah, 100%. As you say, I would rather, I'd rather, you know, win playing terribly than do what Liverpool usually do and play really well and have loads of chances and then draw 0-0. Um, that, that used to be the way, but we seem to have got a lot better. Uh, obviously, Thiago was a big miss guy. Obviously, Fabinho, Keita and Henderson, you said all played well. Canati mm-hmm. came in, which, was, which is good to see. Um, and then, the, obviously, Jota. I take it Jota's just still kind of nursing the ankle. Yeah, he's not... I think we rushed him back for the final, and now this is just him getting back up to speed because right. he didn't look he didn't look great in the um, uh, FA Cup game as well. To be fair, but yeah, he, he came on and was maybe worse than Salah somehow. <laughs> Christ, who was there? Who did we bring on then? So Jota, one of them. Who was the other two subs we brought on? Uh, we Milner for Naby, right. obviously. Yeah, uh, I think we brought on Jones quite late for Diaz. Jones came on. I'm sure of that. So basically, tactical subs more than yeah. game-changing ones. Yeah, yeah. I think Jones came on and played left wing because I remember him holding it in the corner right at the end. Well, I mean, I'll ask you because obviously Dave will be sick of me asking this question to death. Um, obviously, Man City dropped a couple of points in the just obviously in the last month. How much hope do you have of of Liverpool? You know, winning the league this season. What's your percentage, do you reckon? Percentage? Oh, God. Um, 
I mean, you imagine we win our game in hand, um, takes it to, to three points, then you've got to hope that we beat Man City at the Etihad, obviously, for any of this to happen. So, can you could, do you see there's a way of City dropping more points? There's definitely a way, but it, it, I'd probably, if I was putting a number on it, I'd probably say 40%, because I think Man City are the clear favourites, because oh, yeah. we're, we're in the middle of our big run. And big runs come to the end at some point. Whereas Man City, they had their slip up against Spurs, which it's always Spurs for some reason. So this might be the start of their big run, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. But considering where I was when we drew with Chelsea just before AFCON, yeah. I, I was literally at a zero. I was like, well, Champions League, that'll be lovely. We'll focus on that, yada, yada, yada. But that, that Spurs loss, it, it really did make me... Or not really love the Premier League because I always bloody watch it, but it just made me reignite my interest in Liverpool Premier League season more than anything. But that that's the thing. We 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 did our screw ups early in the season, the Brentford, the Brightons, yada yada yada. Um but we're in March and the Premier League race is still on. You can't really ask for much more because December time it was looking like it was going to be done in February. So yeah. Absolutely happy days, whether it's 40% or 100%. We're going to be in it. If we can keep it this way, or hopefully City drop more points until the Etihad game, that game is going to be absolutely massive. Um, but yeah, I, I still think Man City are the favourites, but uh, at least the race is still on, because as I say, I thought it was done um, in December. Yeah, completely fair. Well, while I've got you, obviously, you on, and I'll bring David in as well. Obviously, Liverpool winning the the Carabao Cup last week, three trophies still to play for. Um, Absolutely. How many are we winning? <clears throat> um, I don't think Klopp could take doing two domestic cups in a season. <laughs> he despises them. Um, I think I think it, we're one of the favourites for the Champions League. If, if Thiago stays fit, which is obviously a huge question mark, I almost make us favourites for the Champions League, but that's a big if. Um, so I'll say two. Who Carabao and Champions League? Yeah, they, can they can Liverpool improve on the one they have already? Well, I absolutely can. Um, I mean, I think many teams would relish playing Liverpool over two legs. Uh, I think it was was it Wenger who said years ago that you know Liverpool have got that big advantage of they, they play at least one leg at Anfield, which makes a huge difference on a on a European night. Um, there's no reason why you, you couldn't go on and win the Champions League. Um, I say probably more likely to win that in the Premier League, um, which yeah, is I'd agree. I'd agree. Which is purely, I mean, Man City are in both. It's fair to say, but if um, you know you played Man City over a one-off game in a neutral venue, I think Liverpool would win. It's just consistency over the course of 38 games where Man City seem to have just got this knack of almost being robotic, isn't it, and just winning quite comfortably every week, um, which Liverpool also do, but maybe not as much as Man City. Yeah, if we get Man City in the Champions League, Kyle, uh, Kyle Walker will end up playing in goal in Pep's tactical setup for that game. So <laughs> there's every chance. Uh, we will move on to Sunday's games. Um, I couldn't believe this score when I checked it. I forgot the game was on. Um, obviously, the, the Watford pulled one back very late on, so it, it doesn't quite tell the same story as it looks. But Watford 2, Arsenal 3, Dave. Um, and all the young guys scoring for Arsenal, which is good, and Odegaard, Saka and Martinelli. 
Yeah, it was basically like Lacazette was playing with his kids and he just kept like setting them up for like, these, <laughs> these these wonder goals. Um, this game kind of like kind of encapsulates Arsenal and when they're on, they're still pretty good going forwards. When you know they scored some really nice goals here. I don't know if you've seen them yet, but um, I think it was the third goal where like it's about one touch each from the halfway line, the four of them, and they all just combine in and finish with a nice finish from, from Martinelli. That was a good stuff. Um, Watford scored an overhead kick, which you kind of were looking to say it's bad defending because it was just a cross and a ridiculous overhead kick. So I can't really blame anyone for that. Um, Sissoko's goal laid on was, was poor from a few people. Ramsdale shouldn't have been beaten the way he was and I'm not really sure what Ben White was up to. But um, it was a really interesting game, like open. Um, both teams probably could have had more than what they got. Arsenal were obviously the better team in general um, with the players they've got. But Watford fought pretty hard at the end. Um we know they've got decent attacking players and the defence is going to let them down, which is exactly what happened here. Um, Emmanuel Dennis scored after about 15 seconds but was slightly offside and then spent the rest of the game missing various respectable chances. Um, they might look at this as a game they might have got something from on another day, but um, Arsenal, my pick for fourth, remember, they just keep going. Um, they keep finding ways to win, which is as important this time of year. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal have got to be favourites for that fourth place now, Dan. Yeah, I definitely do. think, was it three? Is it three games in hand on United? It is, yeah, three. Good Lord, Man United are bastards. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Arsenal definitely the favourites. This game was weird because I watched like the first half and then I got bored <laughs> uh, and stopped paying attention. But yeah, it, a Roy Hodgson game finishing 2-3 is it's not happening. I think it's a shame for Watford. I think if they hired Hodgson when they hired Ranieri, I think they genuinely would have stayed up. Yeah, I think they, they probably still could, um, but I think it's unlikely. Um, but they've got the attacking talent there. The defence is a bit bad. And the midfield is Musa Sissoko and Tom Cleverley. So <laughs> that's not great. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's it's a weird one with Watford. I think, yeah, as I say, Roy Hodgson, back when the Hyde ran here, I think they would have been fine. They probably would have sorted defence out and then just been all pace on the counter-attack like his Palace team. But, uh, yeah, Arsenal, you see all the young attacking talent doing really well. Lacazette, you see why he was a bit, much better fit than um, Obama Young, regardless of discipline and stuff like that. He's, he's just good at bringing other people into play. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, I was a big crit- critic of Arteta, but I think this season's kind of where you, you... I think Arsenal people call it the project, but you're kind of seeing it now. He's got rid of all the bad eggs, your Obama Youngs, your um, Ozil's and stuff like that. I, I liked Ozil as a player, but... He's got rid of the bad eggs, the signings that everyone criticised. It just seems Arsenal's a much more happier place. Like, I don't even watch Arsenal fan TV for fun anymore. So <laughs> um, it, it just seems like a much more positive club. And to be fair, you look at Man United, their rebuild started um, before theirs and Arsenal's rebuild post-Wenger has gone much better than um, United's for me. I think long-term vision... It's worked out better than hiring short-term managers that Man United have done. So fair play to Mikel Arteta. He's he's overcome a lot of negative thoughts from both Arsenal fans and stupid people who podcast like me. 
and, and me because I, I, I don't know. I'm still not. I'm still not convinced on on Arteta. But obviously, you can't you can't really fault him what he's doing this season overall. You know, he's got them in a good position, um, and they're they've got a really exciting young team there. You know, again, a bit like Villa, if you add in the right players in the right positions, Dave. You know, they could be a real a real team next year. I, I think you highlighted it earlier that Arsenal are going to need to sign you know ten or so players to have a a squad to compete at the elite level, but you know they've got a really exciting bunch there as a as a benchmark. Yeah, I think the first eleven is is pretty solid, really. Um, it's just outside of that where they've got a lack of depth. I mean, Eddie Nketi is your second choice striker. It's not it's not Champions League quality, is it? Um, but even you know, play like Pepe, who's on who came on today, um, he is capable of being far better than what he has been. Yeah. Probably same same for. Was it Lille in the French League where he was, you know, he looks like a good player. He's shown flashes for Arsenal, but never really consistently. So um, there's some sort of rough diamonds there who might shine up. Um, but generally, you know, the young, the young lads, um, Saka, Udegaard's only 23, um, and now looks every bit like a, you know, a, the young protege that he was meant to be. Um, Martinelli, I don't know how old he is, but if his legs stay attached, he'll do well. Um, Smith Rowe, who was missing the day, but again. Good playing in any of those three positions. Um, the big thing really is getting getting a centre forward. Um, and I'm guessing it won't be Romelu Lukaku. Yeah. Is um, Lacazette out of contract this year? So and Ketia is as well, so they'll need probably two strikers. I mean, I'll be amazed if they don't put They'll put Lacazette on, surely, like another couple of years deal. Yeah, I think. He's the captain as well, so he might as well. He's definitely turned it around as well in the last, you know, four or five months as well. You know, he's kind of, he's bec- he's almost become the leader that Arsenal have been crying out for as well. well he works so hard. Like, you know, obviously, Arsenal on, on telly a lot, and he just seems to spend all his time everywhere except up front, um, which is fine when you've got other players scoring the goals. But I think in the longer term, um, if you get a, a proper centre forward in front of a better term, um, maybe we won't have to spend so much time tracking back because the ball might actually stick when it goes up there. But mm. Um, he's a bit Firmino-ish, isn't he? Without, yeah. Not that, quite the hold-up player, but he's, he's, yeah. he is good, isn't he? Yeah, I, I can see what I mean. Obviously, he does a lot for them, um, and the fans must love him because he, he, he does graft for the team. Uh, and as you say, the difference between him and Aubameyang is night and day, isn't it? Like, yeah. Um, he took a big gamble getting rid of Aubameyang and Ozil previously, and you know, you know, know, he could have stuck with the big names and just... He would have been sacked ultimately. Let's be honest; it was it was heading that way before he made the choice of what he did. And they've been excellent. You know, the, the players who've stayed have really dug in from and done the job. Um, they could have folded um, when the pressure got got really high. Like again, Man United will come on to um, Arsenal. We've never really seen that. They've they've kept going. One of the games in hand is against yourselves, which. I think you'll win because it's ultimately Arsenal against the top four side, but um, it maybe won't be as straightforward as it, as it has been in previous occasions. One's against Chelsea as well, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Arsenal have got a bizarrely good record against Chelsea. Was, was, it, was it last season when um, they were on one of the terrible runs and ended up, end up winning through like a Smith Rowe goal from, from nothing? I might be misremembering that, but it certainly happened at some point in the past. It does ring a bell, yeah. Yeah, it's Arsenal. I've, I've no idea, Dave. Take your word for it because you're the you're the professional broadcaster here. 
I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so Watford, oh, I'm just trying to bring up the table here, but it keeps glitching on me. So Watford are 19, uh, 19 points, played a game more than Burnley, three games more than Everton level weight. Leeds, have we used them as the, you know, the, the benchmark? And there's four points between the, themselves and, and Leeds. Um, do you know what? Under any other manager, because Watford are such a messy club, I would almost write them off. But I just think Roy Hodgson, like like the same way as we speak about uh, Deitch, I don't know, I, I just believe he could probably scrape together, you know, enough points that he's going to be there or thereabout anyway come the, the final day. In April, they've got Leeds and Brentford at home back-to-back, and then they go to Man City. They go to Man City, but then after that, they've got Burnley at home. So if they can take nine points from those three games, it'll be interesting to see what the table looks like at that stage of the season, but that's obviously a month away yet. Yeah, um, here we are before those, those games, as you say. Well, they need points somewhere. The next two is Wolves away, which... Mm, you know, it's not impossible on their current form and then Southampton away which just looks like a match made in hell for Watford because <laughs> Southampton will just pick them off um, but we will see yeah. and then Arsenal I think did you both say yeah, top, well you said you weeks ago Dave that you, you were on the Arsenal bandwagon for their fourth place but uh, Gary yeah. four as well I, if there's, I think the only ones who could probably catch them for me is Spurs, but they are Spurs. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's Arsenal and Spurs. I, Man United, well, we'll talk about them in a sec. Just nothing there. So, yeah, I think it's between the two North London clubs. I think West Ham kind of uh, legs have run out, I think. Yeah, you sticking with Arsenal, Dave? Oh, yeah, I, I... I agree with everything guys just said that Spurs are going to be the nearest challengers. Let's you know, let's assume Spurs put Everton away tomorrow night. They go with them three points and played a game more, but Arsenal's game in hand games in hand aren't necessarily that easy. So um I think it will be those two. Um but both absolute like ridiculous clubs, so you would never put your your mortgage on winning any game. <laughs> it could go yeah. wrong. For well, the same reasons for both teams, you know. It's, yeah, it could go wrong at any given team. moment. <laughs> Just <laughs> different colour shirt. Um, right, last game of the weekend that we're going to review. Um, can't remember who was at first. I want to sound professional here. Manchester City four, Man United one. Um, goals from De Bruyne in the fifth minute. A really lovely goal from Sancho. And then that was it. Then Man City just did what Man City do. And Man United defensively. We mention this regular, Dave. The, whatever the analytic team is doing at Man United, uh, they need, I don't know who needs fired more. The, the manager, because he's just not improved. Some of the players, because they're goddamn awful. Or the analytics team, who analyse this every week. It's acceptable to start some of the players. D, all of the above. <laughs> Um, I mean, Dave, I'll come to you first. I'll, I'll, you pick where to start. I, I, I just don't even know how to talk about this game. Um, it was just a disaster for them, wasn't it? Like, yeah. like to concede early on. All right, it's a blow at the Etihad. You need to kind of, you know, get a foothold in the game and try and try and frustrate them a little bit. But to concede early on was rough. And the, to be fair, them they came back and they equalised and. 
they were probably worth it. You know, it wasn't like against the run of play necessarily. They, they, they played quite well at that point. Um, Harry Maguire might have had the worst centre-half performance ever seen. Since his last one. Well, like, pretty much, he was just awful. Like, he was at fault for at least two of the goals, I think. I mean, the, even the deflection, like, all right, it's deflected off him, but why was he so, like, slow to get out and just let it hit him? Um, the yellow card he took was just needless. Like, fouling De Bruyne on the halfway line. I mean, I know he's, he's obviously an excellent player, but he's not the quickest player in the world by any means. Um, just a strange decision. Um, obviously, if there's the Ronaldo situation, is he injured, is he not? <sighs> I don't think he is, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't know where Varane was, but obviously, you know, when you leave Lindelof and Maguire to, to look after things, we're never going to end particularly well. Um, they are no better than they were under Solskjaer. Um, I don't really know what Randy's changed, to be honest. He just seems to play, play Sancho more, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like otherwise, it's all the same the same shortcomings. Like He still picks McTominay and Fred as a midfield too. Um, they're just knackered. Like, if you, the last two results were like drawn 0-0 at Watford. And like, you know, Watford don't keep a clean sheet against anybody, but at Old Trafford, apparently not an issue. Um, and then today, getting hammered 4-1 and pretty much given up in the second half in, and it was not the most intense derby in the world but to give up as they, as they did and they did give up I know people say well it's hard against Man City when they keep the ball but there was absolutely no intent there of ever getting back in the game you literally um, saw Everton last week <laughs> one well, of the worst teams in the league and tried yeah. hardest to get <laughs> yes exactly so I don't know where they go from here. I know, obviously, they need to appoint a manager. Um, I've told him my thoughts before on this ludicrous situation where they won't appoint a permanent manager, despite there being more than half the season to go at the time. Um, oh, we need to find interim. Like, why? You've seemingly got like endless resources to go and get whichever manager you want. Just go and get them. I'm sure they'd come if they wanted that badly. Um, but anyway, all they've done is cost themselves half a season or more um, with this nonsense. Uh, and then in the summer, they'll hire someone and go through this whole rigmarole again where they can't sell anybody because they're on too high wages and no one wants them. Um, and they'll sign someone who they don't need. Rinse and repeat. Yep, that sounds... Um, you have pretty much analysed it well, guys. We'll just wrap that up. <laughs> um, but, he's, you know, Dave's right. I mean, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, it's. I always feel it's... It always comes across really harsh when we're talking about United because obviously there is there is bias there, but they genuinely are going through what what we did. Doing it so much worse than we did, I feel. Um, we didn't spend this money on ridiculous. Well, that, that's true. This that's is what true. I mean by worse than us. Yeah, we well we almost went out of business, whereas they still have the most expensive squad in the world. Oh, sick. Well, joint with City, I think it's like 1.2 billion each, isn't it? But yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. That thinking we nearly went out of business. They're one of the, they just got infinite amount of money, and this is what they do. Like, yeah, they played well first half. I think Ranić's kind of just got a poison chalice here. He's he's been a sporting director for about a decade now. <laughs> he's joined in. Oh, I'll do this for. Six months and then I'll move upstairs. I probably won't because Man United won't do that. Um, but I think little things have improved 
not defending, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they attack a bit better than Ollie, whereas Ollie it was just like pace and vibes, whereas now I think it's a bit more structured, but that wasn't really hard because Ollie was king PE teacher. Um, whereas now, I'm not saying Randy is a, a, a great manager by any any stretch of the imagination, but this has been, it's not every player, but this has been four or five managers now where it almost reminds me of Chelsea when they were at their most toxic. Obviously, Chelsea were a much better team than this United one, but the players just have all the power in that club, and you, it was the same at Chelsea. And you look at the best two teams in the league, which is City and Liverpool. If if Jurgen Klopp wanted Van Dijk out of Liverpool tomorrow, he would go. If If Pep wanted De Bruyne out of Man City tomorrow, he would be binned. If Ranić wanted to, oh God, get rid of Harry Maguire, it, he'd, he'd probably he'd be fighting an uphill battle. And that's a, I know he cost eighty mil, but that's a terrible centre back. That's Phil Jones Jr. He might, he might actually be the same age as Phil Jones. Um, it, it's just that that club is just kind of it was everything it wasn't under Fergie. Um, but yeah, this this game specifically, Man United were pretty good in the first half, um, but that second half was dreadful. Like, I think like Fred's the least of their issues, mm. but like just the midfield doesn't exist. Harry Maguire and Lindelof, I mean, that's what a hundred and twenty odd mil for that centre back partnership. That's that's terrifying. That's terrifyingly bad. Like I don't think Lindelof's horrendous by any stretch of the imagination, it, but he, he doesn't. He shouldn't be starting for a team that has aspir- should have aspirations of the title. And that's probably the big question: Do their owners actually want the title, or does want top four? I think it's clearly they just want top four because they only really spend when they're out the Champions League. I mean, this last year was the um, <clears throat> was the key difference there, but that really went well. Signing a thirty-seven-year-old striker. A old centre back who's injury prone, and a winger. Um, yeah, it's it, it. They're just really badly run, and it's funny for me. But would I rather be in a title race with Man United than Man City? Probably. So it'd probably mean more to me. But yeah, it's uh, it's sad and funny. But it's more funny for me as a Liverpool fan. But yeah, Ma- I don't even think Man City played that well today, and they won comfortably. But uh, for instance, that Mares volley corner—that's <laughs> possibly the worst defending I've ever seen on a set piece. And I tweeted this: I've watched Skirtle and Lovren for a year. Yeah, I just, <laughs> this is Harry the worst centre back I've seen. It just shouldn't happen, should it? The ball traveling no. that that far from a corner, and no one's within. Five, ten yards from like it's absolutely criminal. It doesn't even work on FIFA. <laughs> I tried that every pro, pro club match and it doesn't work. <laughs> it was the second goal as well. The the one that De Gea made a couple of saves, and it was just yeah. it was like watching the Mighty Ducks. You know when they're trying to <laughs> and it's like taking out. It was just like can just one person just get a solid connection on the ball and just clear it. You know it's it is genuinely schoolboy stuff. And like Man City had three clear shots because nobody could clear their lines. Yeah, that was uh, Keystone Cops to say the least. <laughs> it was just pathetic. Um, 
but as well, like we both highlight Kevin De Bruyne as being, you know, someone who we all know is pretty good at football. How many times did he pick the ball up and there was no one within like 20 yards of him? Like he could run, walk, saunter, ski through the middle of the park <laughs> and, just, and just like unchallenged. And all of a sudden it, it turns defence into attack because for some reason Man United didn't think, you know what, let's keep one of our midfielders somewhere near him. That might help. <laughs> I think it's City weren't even playing there. Like I, Sterling's much better than Grealish for me. Diaz was obviously missing. Yeah, Gundogan wasn't playing either. Yeah, it, it wasn't. You could argue he missing three starters there that we just mentioned. It, and they kind of toyed with United. It's uh, it'd be I weird. Mean, I think it's a you know something was all to aspire to to be three one up in in, in uh, your derby to go into the last seconds of the game, have your centre forward, have your winger go through and smash the ball at your opponent's goalkeeper in the face and it goes in and you celebrate. <laughs> like, like, that's the uh, the old cherry on the cake there, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, mean, like, I mean, as you said, guys, like Man City weren't even that, you know, that great in this game. Um, I think we said it a lot, Dave, they, they very rarely are really great. You know, they're just so methodical, they're so efficient. Um just unfortunately, in this game, they just they, they really didn't have to be. Yeah, well, I put them a disservice earlier when I said that you know they don't play well every week. They do play well. They're just boring, very very, as you robotic. say, robotic a lot of the time. Um, today they're actually you know probably better than that. Probably doing them a disservice to call them robotic today because they just did what they need to do. Um, and you can only be robotic when the teams come and sort of settle for a point. Um, Man United allowed them to play differently by, you know, playing the way they do, which is, yeah. they had to go for a little bit in Man, Man City. Just, it's probably the reason why teams don't have a go at them because they, once they get in front and they just start picking the ball out between them, it's, it's insane. Like, they are, on their day, exceptional. But I still would rather watch Liverpool being exceptional than them in terms of their styles of play. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think if you put all teams at their best, I still, I know it's biased as well. I do think, if Liverpool are playing at their best and City are their best, I think Liverpool are the better team as well. We've got more ways to more ways to win as well. But there's as much as I disagree with the, the love that Pep gets, um, you can't fault like how he has City playing and what he's done, you know, for English football. Like the 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 levels that Man City and Liverpool have been at in the last four seasons, is it? Bar obviously, obviously Liverpool dropped off last year, but the two before and then this season is just it's different gravy, isn't it? It's just phenomenal. Well, I think so. I think, I, I think it's um, quite poignant, really, that you know if either team drops points, it's like a major event. <laughs> like it just mm. doesn't happen, does it? Um, what five losses between you? It's, 10 games to go in Man City's case, 11 for yourselves. You know, it's it's pretty ridiculous, really. thing is, in, in normal normal seasons, pre the Centurions of City, Chelsea would probably be like a comfortable top-of-the-table team. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's Liverpool two years ago. Was it two years ago or three years ago? You know, two defeats all season, still couldn't win the league. It's looking like it's not going to be far off being the same. This year, you know, you're talking two, three games. Um, you're having to go on. Well, a, draw, a draw feels like a loss. Well, that's it. Well, Liverpool are on a you know a twelve game winning winning run at the moment, and you feel you can't afford to drop a point. You know, it's that's 
it's we, just... we drew with Tottenham and I felt devastated. I was like, that's Tottenham. <laughs> not exactly Norwich. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just strange, strange times. Um, but yeah, well, quickly, tomorrow night, speaking of Tottenham, guys, just while we're there, Tottenham play Everton tomorrow night. Um, obviously, we're bringing you the show early, so we'll get a quick prediction from from the three of us. Uh, Dave, I'll come to yourself first. Any prediction on the game? How do you see it going? Yeah, Tottenham will win. Um, I think Everton are not good. I mean, they, str- they struggled to break down non-league Bournemouth on Thursday night. Um, I know it wasn't their the strongest team, but I, I just think Tottenham will, will have too much of them. Yeah, Guy? Yeah, I think similar, but Spurs do Spurs things. Um, <laughs> that's my, that is my only doubt in there. Like, obviously, Spurs do that. I mean, they lost to Borough and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I got to back Spurs. It, it, logically, it's Spurs, but Spurs don't do logical things. Well, financially, I have to back Spurs. And uh, <laughs> our good old mate, Carl, will be pulling his hair out as well. Um, should Everton drop any more points. So, um, yeah, let's let's go Spurs and Harry Kane being the, the greatest finisher in the world, hopefully. That's the type of performance we get. So we'll go three sure, Spurs wins. I'm sure he's got a ridiculous record against Everton. It might be him. It might not be him. I think, no, I'm sure. I'm sure he went through a phase of scoring lots of goals against them. I guess we'll find out. But um, I think every striker has to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd be surprised if Everton won, given their form over the last, well, 24 games. But <laughs> see, yeah, uh, back you. But like, but like you say, you never know with Tottenham. Do like one day they're, they're beating Man City, and then like Conte is pulling his fake hair out trying to <laughs> trying try, trying to understand consecutive losses to Burnley and Middlesbrough. So you just don't know. That's what Sean Dykes does to you. Um, <laughs> That brings us to the end of this week's show, gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much, as always, for joining me. Thank you. Pleasure as always. Uh, no problem. If you can let everybody know where they can find you and what you've been working on. Is there a new Master League out? Or? Yeah, so um, you can find me on Twitter at CM9798, uh, or the, the YouTube is CM9798 Plays. Um, yeah, we, we had... Uh, Palmeiras away this week. It was was, last week, let's do it now. And there'll be another one out this coming week, which I haven't done yet. But I might do it after this just because I can. um, It's genuinely my favourite thing to watch. I'm back at work this week, so I watched them on my my journeys. Um, (laughs) It's a great guy. Dave's took into playing. Is it on the PS2, Dave? Yeah, PS2 Pro. Get the old Prevos out, and he's doing a Master League and and documenting it. It's just. Some phenomenal viewing um, for Lovely. someone who's into computer games like yourself. Um, anyway, Guy, as yourself, again, thank you very much for stepping in on the AWOL, Simon. If you can let everybody know where, where they can find you and anything you want to plug. Yeah, so my personal Twitter is at Guy Drinkle, but if you're a Liverpool fan or even a football fan, because sometimes we do like club ne- uh, neutral stuff, uh, check out Anfield Index. We just do pretty much podcast, obviously busy period of the season, so there'll be lots of previews and post-match stuff. But uh, at Anfield Index and at Guy Drinkle for my personal stuff. Excellent. And you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Uh, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating and review. 
any questions or any feedback, please just hit us up on, on Twitter. We will be sure to communicate with you all. Um, but, yep, yeah, again, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you at home for listening. And always remember, keep your man in the post. <laughs>